0: hello and welcome to another uh, episode of pittsburgh sports memories um i'm your host uh, steve wharton as usual i'm joined uh, with my co-host tim hannon and uh today the two of us are going to go over overtime we're going into overtime uh tim are we getting paid a time and a half for this uh maybe not <laughs> yeah. Time and uh, a half on our regular salary of zero. Yeah. What's, so. zero what's zero <laughs> times
1: time and a half? Uh yeah. Well, Still zero.
0: So, so we're definitely we're 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 working <laughs> over time. So there it's obviously there's nothing more exciting than overtime. It's uh, all on the line, especially in like playoff games. And all of a sudden, whether it's sudden death or uh, just, uh, you know, it comes out of nowhere. These endings seem to come out of nowhere. And so um, some of these games we've gone over maybe in the course of other episodes of our podcast, but this is just the overtime pause part. So we'll just do a short snops is kind of how we got here. And then we'll do. Um, The moment, and um, we'll probably have a couple clips, and then uh, the aftermath of that moment. So um, without further introduction, um, let's jump right into it. And the first overtime game is, um, now not all these memories are this sad, but some of them are. This one's kind of, I think, a sad one. So um, the Steelers-Denver game, the Tim Tebow game. Um, I didn't write that. Do you remember what year that was, Tim? Was that two thousand. It was it was twenty it was twenty eleven. I remember this
1: because uh, Tim Tebow just posted on his Facebook page or something that's <laughs> following him that it was the ten year anniversary of this play just recently.
0: Nice, nice. Well, um, just a little background: the Steelers go twelve and four, and um, I think we covered this a little bit in the Denver, the Steelers, Denver, um, like uh, rivalry series. Um, uh, they have to play a road game in Denver without Ryan Clark, because, um, you know, Ryan Clark doesn't want, well, Ryan Clark wanted to play, but Dan Rooney being the wise, he's a good owner and just the general good person would not let him play because of his uh, sickle cell disease. And it would be a bad look for uh, the NFL and the Steelers in general, if Ryan Clark died. So, and it would be bad for Ryan Clark too. So, so a lot, a lot of reasons that Ryan Clark couldn't play this game. Um, nevertheless, uh, the Broncos are 8-8, eight eight, but um, they had home field, and you say, well, wait a minute. How an 8-8 eight eight team get home field over 12-4? It's due that the uh, Steelers did not win their division, and the Broncos did, and the, uh, the, that AFC West wasn't that strong that year. So um, so we'll fast forward to uh, this wild card game. Um, we're going to go – the Broncos had a 20-6 to six lead in the game, but the Steelers came uh, all the way back, and they had tied it, um, at the end of regulations with 23-23. Um, and this is the first game to be played as a non-sudden-death format for overtime, which is now, I guess, the way they have it now, where if you score a touchdown, it's sudden, the game's over. But if you kick a field goal, it's not, because, you know, Brett Favre can't be sent home like that. So um, <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter, because Tim Tim Tebow completes his... 10th pass of the game this is in overtime so at that point tim tebow had completed nine passes in a in 60 minutes of football um he completed it to the uh, late demarius thomas and it goes for 80 yards in the game winning touchdown and uh here we'll uh go and listen to the gulp of this Tim Tebow gets his first chance, first pass, first play of the new overtime. Oh, go! Tim! Tebow!
2: Tebow! Touchdown! Wraps it up, one and done! John Owen can't believe it!
0: Um. So as you can hear, uh, the NFL primetime crew had a lot of fun at uh at kind of uh, the Steelers' expense, there—I uh, guess not—not not too much. They weren't like they were more celebrating Tim Tebow than than you know, sticking it to the Steelers. So, but it, it still kind of sucks that like that's the way that game ended, and that Ryan Mundy got totally fooled chasing the ball on that. I mean, that really wasn't Ike Taylor's fault. He really should have had safety help, but I don't know. That was um. So that led to a lot of aftermath. So the aftermath is uh, the Broncos went up to New England the next week. And, um, gee, how do you think that worked out for them, Tim? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not well. That. Yeah, so uh, they got blown out. And um, it just kind of proved that Tebow wasn't a very good NFL quarterback. Once again, he literally completed 10 passes. They kind of ran, like, that option offense. And uh, actually, after that, Tebow never really played in the NFL again. I really. So he went to a couple other teams and and he kept trying to be a quarterback. I think at that point, if he would have switched right then to tight end, he probably, he would have been the next Rob Gronkowski. I, I really, I still think that I know like, you know, this, this, this like last off season where he's in Jacksonville, he looked pretty bad, but I think like, you know, somebody would have given him more than like one off season to, you know, have a chance to prove himself. And he would have been a lot younger and, you know, just all that. And I, I really, I really still think that Tebow would have been a really good tight end if he would have switched after this first year. But so the Broncos, they go on and they get a real quarterback like uh, some guy named Peyton Manning. <laughs> and then once they get Peyton Manning, uh, they win a Super Bowl and they made another Super Bowl appearance because they had a really good defense and. Uh, I w- that was kind of Peyton Manning. He was at the end. He's at the Ben, the the Ben now stage of his career of like 2022, you know, like where he's okay and can kind of get you a few passes, but you know, he's not going to win you the game just by himself. So um, the Steelers for their, you know, side of the story, uh, they really haven't made the play that they-, they have made the playoffs, but they haven't really seen a lot of playoff success then. I think they've only really, What'd you say that was 2011? 2012? So, like, what they've won two playoff games since then Miami and Kansas City. That's it, right? The yep. Cincinnati game, too. Three. Oh, since So, three. Yeah. Yeah. So, they really haven't had a lot of success since that playoff game. So, yeah, we, we talk, like
1: you said, we talked about it in that Denver episode. I, I was, that was disappointing because um, I maintain to this day that they had a better team. In 2011, than the team that made the Super Bowl in 2010, but they got injured. They had a ton of injuries coming into that game and during that game. And even if they would have pulled that out in overtime, they would have been kind of hosed for the next week. Uh, but they also didn't have Ryan Clark. And like you you kind of alluded to, Steve, that, that ended up being the dagger on that final play, not having him at safety. So it is what it is. It, it's it's dunk. Good for Tim Tebow, good for the late Demarius Thomas, but it it was not a good memory for Steelers fans.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, shifting gears to a happier overtime moment, and uh, we just covered this in our uh, podcast on the Winter Classic. So the Winter Classic with Sidney Crosby. A quick background, in 2008, the NHL decides to have a big event game to try and prove the visibility of the league. They put a game outside on New Year's Day. Uh, This is a day normally reserved for college bowl games. Um, so what does the league do? They want to hype. Of course, you want to hype your biggest young star at the time, Cindy Crosby. Um, the Penguins had sucked up to that point. Not really. And they had, only, they had made the playoffs the year before, but had gotten eliminated pretty handily in the first round. Um, the Sabres, for their part, it was the Buffalo and Pittsburgh in Buffalo and Ralph Wilson or whatever, Highmark Stadium or whatever it's called this week. I don't know what it was called back then. Um, They, uh, they have a Ryan Miller. Um, They had lost Daniel Breer and a couple other players the year before. So, um, so going into overtime, the penguins scrolled really early, like in the first minute. And, uh, do you remember who scored that first goal? Maybe it's fresh in your memory, everyone, right? Uh, it's Colby Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. Who didn't know he scored in a Winter Classic? Um, Buffalo scored to tie the game in the second period. The game stayed tied. The ice really was in bad shape. I remember in the third period, they'd stopped the game a couple times. Like, one of the Zambonis got frozen. <laughs> so, um, uh, Letain, uh Ty Conklin made some really big saves in the shootout. And uh Letang, like this is like Letang's I don't know if that's his like it's definitely early on in Chris Letang's career, but he uh took a shootout and he he made a he scored a big goal to keep it going because um I think the the uh sabres had scored a goal to take a lead. And so uh Ty Conklin like keeps us in and then of course Sidney Crosby ends the game with a beautiful goal over Ryan Miller, which we'll listen to right here.
2: One for five this year. Eight for 26. The game on his stick right here. Score! Penguins win! Snow flying in their faces as they celebrate. As kids they might have done 20 years or so ago in
0: a two-on-two game. This was not that. (laughs) And uh, Doc Emmerich, of course, is like, awesome so it's a great call I doc right. yeah you yeah. know so doc was awesome there and that was a lot of fun and it kind of like like we said before that kind of launched the penguins uh run of success even up to this year yeah they, i mean They had a little lull there, and we'll go over that later in the podcast. But um, the aftermath, Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs, even with 90 points for the season. The Pens do make the Cup Finals, but they lose to the Red Wings. Um, The NHL goes absolutely crazy with Winter Classic and Stadium Series outdoor games. They seem to have played them everywhere from Reno to, I don't know, L.A., and so, who knows where they – maybe they'll play one in Hawaii uh, in a volcano next. I don't know. So, <laughs> um, going back to uh, disappointing Steeler overtime losses. Uh, boy, the Steelers have a lot more disappointment overtime than success, it seems. I don't know. Um, Steelers uh, versus Titans. The I call this the Joe Nedney game. This is from 2002. Um, So just the uh, lead up, Tommy Maddox had a great year and the Steelers made the divisional round of the playoffs against the Titans. They had a big comeback against Cleveland the week before. But um, in this game, the Steelers and Titans, they go to overtime and the Titans line up for a short field goal. And uh, Bill Cowher, he calls the timeout, the fireworks go off. It's like a five-minute delay. It's like the best-case scenario for, like, icing a kicker. So on the next attempt, Joe Nedney... Who had made the practice attempt when they called the timeout? They, he misses the kick, but for some reason, like George, Dwayne Washington, definitely like lightly bumped him. But like, why would you even be within a yard of him? So like, Nedney, I always felt kind of backed into him, like because like if you could see if you watch this replay, like Nedney turns around and literally leans into him, I think. But they call it they call it roughing the kicker or running into the kick. No, I think they call it roughing the kicker. And uh, on the third attempt, he gets a third attempt after missing that one. If he would have missed that, the Steelers would have got the ball back on offense and maybe could have kicked the field goal. Since this was the old-fashioned, you know, uh, overtime, NFL overtime rules, nobody cared about Tommy Maddox not getting the ball in overtime. So on the uh, on the third attempt, Nendy nails the kick and the Steelers' season is over. So here's that uh, process of events. One would guess Cower will
2: spend a timeout here and let, let me uh, think about it. It will be a 31-yard attempt. Yeah, there's Pittsburgh calling for a timeout. No play, no play. But he got a warm-up kick, which isn't all bad either. Well. And he made it, and he made it. Look at Nettany laugh. <laughs> yeah, the skyrocket guy. Hey, boys, it didn't count. Well, the, now it sets yeah, off so. one at the other end. Unbelievable. Pyrotechnical prematurity. <laughs>
0: nice one. <laughs> uh,
2: you know we're laughing about this, but this, this could you couldn't ask for anything to make it tougher on Joe Nedney. these fireworks going off. It's kind of funny for everybody else, but I don't think this is very funny for Joe Nedney. Well, here's his chance. <laughs> They'll spot it again at the 21, the 31-yard field goal by Neddy to advance to the AFC yeah! Championship. No, 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 no. Oh, They him down. Nedney got Nedney misses, and then a penalty flag down where he kicked the ball. It's running than... into the kicker, number 20, defense, five yards. If Joe Nedney does this kick, Jeff Fisher is going to have. He's going to be in a tough spot. He 6 1 and Tennessee advances to the championship game. And I think Bill Coward is telling Ron Blum, you cost us a game by calling that penalty. Boy, Bill Coward is upset.
0: So uh, that's some really, who was the, who was the color guy? I recognize him, but I that was dear. Okay. That's yeah. that was, that was some Steeler hate there. Am I reading into that Tim or that he was way too excited that Nedney got roughed <laughs> and he was really mad that Nedney had a King at a third time. I didn't, I didn't realize that he went and to listened to it. To, to just listen to it. Just, now. I was like, wow, that was some uh, classic Steeler. He was really excited. And then. Uh, you couldn't see it. Obviously, you can't see it. This is not a visual, but Cower ran and got in, like, the referee's face, and uh, that was Ferrier there had to pull him away. Yeah. Yeah, so, and
1: Cower had a right to be upset. It was, it was a ticky-tack call because Washington dove, and Nedney, like you said, kind of almost fell into him. I think Nedney even joked about, like, he's I mean, an Oscar. Oscar. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, he turns around. He literally turns around and st- leans into him in my now it's washington's fault for being it there it is but like at the same time like okay so i'm a kicker and i miss a kick i'm finding a defensive player running into him the the I mean... <laughs> the, the, the,
1: the
0: yeah i mean it, it's a ticky tack
1: call to, to have the
0: whole season
1: ride on on you making that call but to your point steve like Dwayne Washington wasn't going to block that kick. I, like I hate <laughs> yeah. that. Like we, the Steelers. I was there was a game a couple of years ago where they lost a the game to the Chargers, the same way. Do you remember that? It was like the, it was. It wasn't overtime, but it was the end of regulation, where the Chargers missed the the game winning field goal, but we we ran, ran into the kicker because or we were offsides. I think actually it was offsides. Yeah. But but it's like you're not going to block the kick. He, he, he's either going to make it or he's going to miss it. And if you're going to block it, you're definitely not going to do it coming off the edge. No, it's always it up, up the, middle. the middle. Yeah, and because, you can't jump.
0: You can't like remember people used to get a running start and jump over. Yeah, the block. can't like, do like you can't that do any of that anymore. Yeah,
1: so so just let yeah. him kick and like yeah. he missed and yeah. So so tiki taka call. I get why Kyrie was upset, but I I still think that's on Dwayne because it just and, and the Steelers the way that game was going it was it was what thirty four thirty four in overtime, Steve. I think 31, yeah. thirty-one, thirty-one. It was, it was, yeah.
0: That was the game. That, like Jeff Reed had kicked like a bunch of field goals that barely went through. If I remember correctly, they well, went well, through, but they weren't confidence inspiring. That's for well, sure.
1: Well, the was, way that the way that game was going, it was going to be last team with the ball wins. Yeah. Or, or in the case of overtime, the team that won the coin toss was going to win.
0: Yeah. So
1: if if he misses that kick, I really think the Steelers would have driven down the field and won the game. So it just it hurt. Um, you know the Steelers weren't. Great right that year, they had a terrible defense, but yeah. they had this like Tommy Maddox inspired, you know, <laughs> score 30 points every game offense. And, and who knows? Who knows what would happen? I mean, the team that won the Super Bowl that year was Tampa Bay and the Steelers had shut them down like three weeks before that uh, in Tampa. So who knows?
0: Yeah, I see you're getting into the, the good aftermath there. Yeah, the Steelers um, actually uh, the Titans went on and uh, what they 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 beat they lost to the raiders and it was the raiders played tampa bay in the gruden bowl and bill callahan didn't change any of his signals or anything so john gruden no exact like it, it wasn't even you can't even call it spygate because like i mean it's like john gruden coached the raider i mean what are you supposed to do like you would think if you like once again like if i'm going in that situation i literally keep everything the same except for like one or two calls and then just the key moments change those calls just a little bit, you know. But that's neither here nor there, and that's the Raiders' problem. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Sealers don't go to the playoffs for a couple years until they draft. Uh, I don't know some quarterback from Ohio named I don't know Rothless Burger. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> who knows if he'll ever be any good? You know uh, that
1: that Super Bowl Super Bowl Thirty Seven. I always thought. That, that's a, that would make a good documentary because uh, Tim Brown actually came out at one point and said he thought Bill Callahan had this feud with Al Davis, and he, he wondered openly, publicly, if Bill Callahan did that on purpose. Just through the Super Bowl. Well, wow. basically. I mean, I, I, wow. I doubt it, but I, I would love to see someone just do a documentary delving into the <laughs> conspiracy side of that because John Lynch
0: said that – They knew the, their plays. Yeah, like yeah. – like if you watch the highlights, they're like silver, silver. And, like, and like John Lynch is like, okay, he's going to run a slant. It's like, right. holy crap. Right. It's like.
1: Right. I mean, if you were going to, if you were Bill Callahan and you were going to throw that game, the easiest way to do it without tipping off. Because you can't, you if you're the head coach, you couldn't do that by yourself. You would need all the right. players on board. So the easiest way to do that would be to not change any of the calls against your former, against the former coach. So I I don't think that's what happened. I just on record saying I don't think that's what happened. But I would love to see, like, somebody explore that conspiracy theory and, you know, put all the evidence up on it. Like I said,
0: you don't have to change every call. Like, if you just change, like, two or three key calls, it totally – like, now they're not going to believe anything. You know what I mean? Right. Like – you don't have to change your whole offense. Just change it at like a, on a key third down. Like okay, this key third down, we're doing the opposite, or so you know. Instead of saying we're gonna go and like they're sitting on a slant, you're gonna get their seven points right there easily. And now John Lynch can't jump every route, you know, <laughs> or Dexter yep. Jackson. I guess Dexter Jackson was really the recipient of all this. He, but he ended up signing for huge money, and he never did anything after that Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, Bill Callahan did not. Was not a good thing for their franchise, but again, it's the like you said, it's the Raiders. Who cares?
0: Screw them. You know what? I have a secret confession here, and this is like, you know, ooh, Don't tell anybody. Even though I'm telling everybody, I, I love the Raiders. They're my second favorite team because you. And you know why? Have I ever told you why
1: I like the Raiders, Tim? Uh, because you want to get a lot of angry emails after this
0: podcast. <laughs> Because they're pure, unadulterated evil, and we, you just don't get to see. And they don't care. They don't. They're not like New England, who's evil but tries to pretend to be good. No, they're just they're just the bad guys. They're the bad guys, and you know they're the bad guys, and they're gonna be the bad guys. That's what they are. Silver and black, just win, baby. The Raider rules, cheat is what Raider rule one is. Cheat. Raider rule two. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. I, I I totally respect that. I totally respect that. That's why I respect them way more than the Patriots. So, I, I hey, just win, baby. <laughs>
1: well, I will say that uh the, the, they did put the Steelers into the playoffs this season. So, I think a lot of people yeah. were, are not as hateful of the Raiders maybe at the at the current moment.
0: You got sometimes you got to root for the bad guy. I mean, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but switching gears to a, a game that probably me and nobody else remember i mean i'm probably the only one that remembers this um we're going to uh usl soccer which if you said what the heck is that that would be the soccer league of the united states that's the second it's like the I don't know, the second league. If MLS is the top league, this is the next league. And this would be the Bethlehem Steel and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And I was actually at this game. I attended this game. And the reason that it's weird is because, like, they went to six shooters into the shootout. This game, so the background there, the Riverhounds play in the USL, which is the second league. And the River Hounds, they make the playoffs after they, they had missed some time, but they hired this guy, this coach, and he's still the coach there, Bob Lilly, who's like a legend at this level of soccer. He's a very, he's won the whatever title. I, I guess they call it a USL championship title, but he's won there. But um, so Bethlehem Steel is the minor league team for the MLS team, the Philadelphia Union. Um, the game goes to overtime after a goal by Ben Zemanski. Um, the, uh, the Hounds can't hold the lead. Bethlehem ties it in the 74th minute in overtime in the 94th minute, the Riverhounds score, but because they don't play sudden death, they have to play like another 15 minutes. And so in the next, oh, they play two 15 minute overs. So in the next 15 minute overtime in the 108th minute on a free kick. And I remember that was. It was probably like kind of the top of the penalty area, which is, like, really tough to stop. This guy, uh, uh, Santi Moore, he scored to tie of the game, and he literally banked it off the the post, the side post, and went in. It was a pretty impressive kick. So they go to a shootout, and this is where it gets weird. Is like there's literally five, all five shooters score for each team. Like, neither goalie, like, and the shootout was so great, like, it wasn't even like close upper corner. It was just like literally line up and kick the ball, and it went in the net. And so it was literally going to come down to who missed the kick. And, and unfortunately, like it got down to like like when you you can't like it's not like hockey. Like remember, like uh, Balsma kept sending like uh, what's his name, the one guy from the Capitals, to, just to keep doing his shootout you have to go through your whole roster of players before you can repeat so they got down to like some defensive player the guy misses and that's how bethlehem wins and it's just a weird because i've never seen a game like i've watched enough soccer now like i've never seen a game go like six or seven shooters like that before but hey minor league so it was a playoff and that's how their season ended so another kind of disappointing overtime sports moment for Pittsburgh. Um, the, although I'm the aftermath, Bob Lilly, he had great success and they, uh, they made the playoffs every year since that. And uh, unfortunately this year due to a COVID outbreak um, that cost them their season, they literally like, it was weird. They just like, the league was like, Nope, you're eliminated. You forfeit. So uh, bad for bad for the Riverhounds there. there, uh, Bethlehem steel to their, uh, they actually moved out of Bethlehem. <laughs> And they they moved to the uh, Chester, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. I guess it just they moved closer to the Philadelphia Union team. So um, hey, they have that going for them. Um, we'll have a link to that if you want to watch. It's it's a rather lengthy clip, but um, you can watch the whole shootout and stuff if you're that into soccer. But that's just one of the weirder soc- soccer things I've ever seen. So
1: yeah, soccer shootouts are can be wild because it's it's. Um kind of easy to score. <laughs> like that's that's a problem and and not like hockey where, you know, you could have a bunch of guys get stopped in a row or a bunch of guys score in a row. Um so yeah, for it to go that long, that's pretty
0: crazy. Yeah, I think too cuz at this level the goalie, like the goalie actually was a kid from Pitt. <laughs> so and he really wasn't. He wa- It wasn't even close to him. It was like it wasn't like oh, it just grazed off his finger. Like he do. Like he literally was diving the wrong way, or he dive like two seconds too late. Like it, it was. It was ugly. And the other goalie wasn't much better. Like it. It was. It was bad. Hmm. But um. Well, moving back to American football. Um. <laughs> The Steelers versus Atlanta, once again, it's 2002, the Tommy Maddox season. In this game, this guess what? The Steelers don't lose this game, Tim. Yay. <laughs> Do they win, though? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so um, the background to this is Cordell Stewart got benched. Uh, it's the Tommy Gun offense. Tommy Maddox is the quarterback, and the Steelers, like we said, are scoring points at will. But unfortunately, the defense gives up points as quick as the offense scores them. Um, Atlanta has this guy named Michael Vick and it's Michael Vick in his prime. So he's really tough to stop. So the game goes to overtime. Vick rallies the Falcons from 7.17 points down in the fourth quarter. And after this offensive explosive explosion, you figure, you know, Somebody would score in the overtime. The offensives actually went silent and the score stayed tied. And there was a wild sequence to end the game with two minutes left in overtime. Maddox throws an interception and the the Falcons, like 2002. So I guess it's still early on in Hines Field. People hadn't, I don't know, was Reeves still the coach? Yeah, I guess Dan Reeves was still, it might have been Dan Reeves who was still the coach. The late, you know, boy, another, the late Dan Reeves. Like he tried a 56 yard field goal, which, was just impossible back, especially back then in Heinz Field. And until uh, uh, so they miss, but they give like the Steelers great field position and they try to hail Mary to Plexigo Burris and he, unfortunately he's tackled short of the end zone. Um, I, we have some uh, audio from this.
2: It's time for one hail Mary. There's one second on the clock. Atlanta has five men deep including Brian Federer. Maddox lets it fly. All the way down field, And it was caught. It's called on one. There's no time. The game's over. Oh my
0: God. Um, that's definitely one of the crazier ties in NFL history. <laughs> um, Vic goes to an NFC championship game, but it, he derails his career with the off-the-field issues. Um, it's one of the few times Bill Cower didn't win a game, he was leading by 10 or more points. He's kind of like Who's that? It was the Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams? Like if he's leading it like the half, like he almost always wins. You know, he's kind of got like that Sean McVay thing going. Um, the Steelers, like we already covered, they go on to beat Cleveland and they lose an OT at Tennessee. Um, and then once again, Maddox kind of hangs around until I don't know some some guy from Ohio, Miami of Ohio, comes in and replaces him. So.
1: Yeah, that was a crazy game. That was that was Michael Vick in his in his, like at his apex of being, you know, really unstoppable. Um, and, and like you said, probably the craziest thing about that game was, you know, everybody scoring a, a boatload of points, and then it goes to overtime and nobody can score. Like that. That's I think that was the weirdest thing about that game. It was it was kind of ironic. Uh, and then and then for the game to end on the one yard line on a hail mary, definitely definitely a memorable game. I mean. It stunk that it that the Steelers didn't win, but, I mean, they also didn't lose. It's definitely a memorable game in Steelers history.
0: Yeah, it, it it's just, like, you know, normally, like, you get, like, a Hail Mary gets knocked down or tipped around and then hits the ground. But, no, this one, uh, he completed it, <laughs> but it didn't, <laughs> it didn't count for anything for passing yards. That's the only thing it, in reception for Plexico, so... Um, going back to college football, um, I kind of have this, I call it the Pitt BC trilogy. And these are the 2002, 2004, and 2020 games. And all these games went to overtime. So uh, we'll run through these. Um, in 2002, Pitt won on an overtime kick. Um, this is a game featuring Super Bowl winning Steeler backup quarterbacks, that of uh, being Brian St. Pierre and Rod Rutherford. Of, Anybody remembers them besides the Brian St. Pierre impersonator guy? <laughs> I don't think anybody tried to impersonate Rod Rutherford, but um, um, it was like a weird game too. Like I think I've talked about this before. Everybody left with like two minutes to go. Like, like I think uh, Pitt had punted, and there was still like two or three minutes left. But Pitt had all three timeouts, and Pitt got the ball back and drove down the. Kick a game tying field goal, and like it seemed like once that once the game went to overtime, everybody that had left came back to their seats. So I don't know if they were just like sitting out in the great hall, kind of watching the TV monitors to see if they get a head start on the your rush or what. But um, just some notes. Like I forgot about this guy, David Abdul. He was the kicker for Pitt that year, and he actually after that had some uh, he had some tough luck. He he ended up kicking the game winning field goal after Pitt. Pitt totally um, stuffed um, <clears throat> BC in their half or no. And Pitt got the ball first, and they kicked David Abdul kicked like a forty-yard field goal, and then in BC got the ball second, and then their overtime. I think Pitt partially blocked the field goal or something, and it didn't go through, so Pitt won. But um, David Abdul had some definitely some tough luck. Um, his friend Billy Gaines—I don't know if anybody remembers this—had died in front of him in a fall at a church. And the reason they were staying at that church to begin with is because their the apartment that they had been staying at had burned down, so they had to have temporary housing in this church. And so, um, and then later that year, he actually David Abdul. After all that. His apartment burning down, his best friend dying in front of him. He actually held his friend until the paramedics showed up. It was very traumatic. He broke his leg in a uh, car accident, and so and it was kicking. It was a kicking leg, so he was never really quite the same after that. And um, for all that, uh, as for the rest of that season, uh, Pitt went on to win the Insight dot com Bowl. Um, I think insight.com is still around. I'm sure it is, but um. <laughs> And the highlight of the insight.com bowl that year was a fantastic catch by Larry Fitzgerald, which is just an awesome highlight. Maybe we'll put that in the links. Um, <clears throat> So moving on to 2004, I think we, I covered this in the Walt Harris season um, pit 20 BC 17. It was a crazy game and a crazy season um, here. We got this Tyler Palco ran over a BC safety in this game here. We'll play the uh, clip of that.
2: Here's a flea flicker. Herman back to Palco and Palco delivers the big hit. <laughs> Peter Sheehan just got knocked over by the quarterback. That's Big East football. Everyone huddle around. Is Palco okay? The color, Palco's already up. Sheehan wants his hat.
0: So uh, I don't know if you recognize the voice on the color commentator there. Uh, that was one Mike Tomzak. So uh, Mike Tomzak doing some uh, color commentary covering the the Pit Panthers. So uh, that was a uh, that that was that was really was like it seems like so like trivial that like a quarterback running over a safety, but that really, like BC was kind of dominating the game till that point and for whatever reason that fired up, I remember I got fired. I remember I was at that game and I jumped up and I like everybody You can hear the crowd, in the background, just go nuts. It's kind of weird that that was the play. And it seemed to turn the, turn the tide for Pitt. And then of course, Darrell Revis made an amazing tackle on a fourth and goal. And then uh, Pitt kicked the field goal. I think once again, Pitt got the ball second, first in overtime, and they kicked the field goal. And then on like, I think it was either a fourth down or for uh, one of the plays, like Pitt hit the uh, running back for uh, BC and he fumbled and Pitt recovered the fumble. And that was, that was it for uh, BC. So, uh, um, as for the aftermath Pitt went on to uh, the Bowl and they uh, promptly lost to urban Meyer and Alex Smith. And they kind of went back to mediocrity there for, um, well, for at least a couple seasons until, uh, Till uh, Dave wants that, kind of turned things around. Took him three years, but
1: yeah, that was a fun game. And and like you said, there you could hear the crowd just go nuts because he he just totally ran over the guy for Boston College. <laughs> and uh, you just yeah you don't you don't necessarily see you might see like a Jerome Bettis type player or, you know somebody like that do that, but to see the the quarterback just truck a guy um, that that fired everybody up and. And then it was also weird to see that game end with a fumble. You know, that's the the college with those with their, with their overtime format. You know, a game can end that way. But, like, literally the guy fumbled, pitfalls on it, and that's the end of the game because that was their half of the
0: overtime and they needed to score. I remember holding my breath after the guy fumbled because I wasn't sure if they are going to call it a fumble. And I saw the, like, official running in. And, like, I know I didn't start going nuts until I saw him, like, he signaled with his arm the other way. And as soon as he saw him do that, I remember I just, like – let out like the biggest cheer. I was like, yes. You know, and it was like, just like one of those, okay, is it a fumble? Are they going to call it a fumble? Cause like it was right in our end zone. Like, I mean, I could see the ball hit the ground and it was kind of close. He was kind of in the air. Like they hit him, and he kind of the running back went in the air and the ball came loose and it's like, well, maybe they won't call it. Maybe they will, you know, and Pitt definitely fell on it. It was like an obvious recovery, but yeah, when the official came in and signaled, you know, the other way, you knew it was over. That was a fun one. That that was definitely like so. Pitt's two and O versus uh overtime versus Boston College, and then that was one of the last time. I think that was one of the, that was uh, on BC's way out the door to the ACC. So Pitt would not play Boston College for a while. I think they played them one other time before this next game, which we did cover. And I think what was it? Most Pitt way to lose. Yep. Past. So this is twenty twenty. <laughs> And it's pit thirty BC thirty-one. And I call this the Kessman giveth and Kessman taketh away game <laughs> for the uh, former kicker Alex Kessman, who actually played in the pros this last season and went two for five, missing like a <laughs> not the a bit of foresh well, not foreshadowed, but whatever. He missed a bunch of extra points in, in the pros too, so Uh, Pitt plays B.C. all the way to overtime and forces overtime. And Alex Kessman, in all his glory, he hits a 58-yard field goal to tie the game with under a minute to play. So uh, here we have some audio of that field goal, which is unbelievable. They better make sure they don't cover up that center. New rule in college football. 58 yards. This would be a career long for Alex Kessman. Good hold, good snap. Puts his foot into it. Has some leg. And it's good! Oh, oh my goodness! Wow! So that's the Alex Kessman giveth part of part of our podcast. and It's a 58-yard field goal, and he had done stuff like... I remember he kicked a 55-yarder in the open end of Hyde's field in the rain. So this kid can kick long field goals. He's got the leg. It's just his accuracy is very wanting, as we'll see. So Needing a TD Pitt picks up a in over, So the game goes to overtime um, There's a crucial fourth down They pick up and then they score,s What should be the game tying touchdown So unfortunately <laughs> Now we get to the Kessman taketh away Part of our podcast Kessman to tie it And he misses it My goodness Kessman hit a fifty-eight-yard field goal at the end of regulation to send it into overtime and he missed the extra point in the extra session.
2: Unbelievable! the
0: The cardboard cutouts are rushing the field in Chestnut Hill, Chris. That's obviously uh COVID time, so there was nobody there at the game except for the players. But um yes, that's the Alex Kessman taketh away part of our of our podcast. Um I, I don't know what to say. Um about that one, except for, um, eh, you know, hey, maybe, maybe pits finally pulled themselves out of that kind of silliness for a while. So, but um, that's the way it went, went that game. So fun times, huh? Fun times. <laughs> and that, that's, that's just, that's
1: classic. That was such a classic hit loss. Like if you had no idea what it was like to be a pit fan, I'd say just watch that game because a normal team would just have missed the almost 60 yard field goal at the end of regulation, or they would have not scored a touchdown to tie it up in overtime. Right. Like that's how a normal team loses, but Pitt, like they can't, they have to think of like unfathomable ways to lose football games that like, well, this has never happened before. What if he makes the longest field goal in the history of the school and then misses an easy extra point that I could kick. What if we did that? It's like, they're sitting in a script room, writing this out. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Steve. I mean, that's what made this last season so special was, you know, they, they actually didn't do all that. And I'm still in shock because so many years, so many decades of us sitting through games like this. Um, but, yeah, that was just classic, classic Pitt.
0: Um, yeah, the aftermath is Pitt does get six wins. But they lost in their game forty-five to three and Clemson fifty-two to seventeen in blowout fashion. So the and I totally respect them for this. And maybe it was just because it was COVID and there weren't a lot of bowl games. They didn't go to a bowl game. And for six wins in that season, that I think that was total I wish they would do that more often. Like in a season like that, it's just like, no, we're not going to a bowl game, you know? But Um, good for Pitt. Maybe that the football gods kind of rewarded them with, uh, this season since, you know, they didn't go to a bowl game. I don't know. You believe in the football gods there. (laughs) Um, continuing on with our, uh, boy, there's a lot of misery on this, on this. I apologize for anyone (laughs) who needs, needs therapy after this one. All right. Well, here we go. Um, Settle into your seats, get your comfy cushions, uh, load up on the snacks because it's going to be a long time. And that would be the Penns Flyers five overtime game in 2000. And I don't think we've really covered this game in any way, shape or form, have we? No, I don't think so. This this probably is one that deserves its own podcast. And we probably have to in, in you know, some point in the near future. So um the Pens and Flyers meet in the playoffs and the Pens lead the series two games to one. And <laughs> the 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 score literally they tied the score and the score stayed tied for five overtimes. And I didn't write down, do you remember when they scored during this game? Like was it in the third period? I can't I, I didn't write that down. But, yeah, I don't.
1: I don't remember. I just remember that they didn't score in the first four and a half overtimes.
0: It, it, it literally the game took in real time seven hours to play. <laughs> seven. I mean, I can't think of. I mean, cricket sometimes takes like eight hours or a day or two to play. But I can't think of any. I can't think of any other activity besides like even work. I mean, to take seven. <laughs> I can't, I can't think of anything else that, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, wow. I, I Seven hour, it ended at two 35 in the morning. Um, the concession stands ran out of food. It was so late. Like, I guess like during they had ordered pizzas, but like, I guess it got so late that there were no more pizza places open after a certain time in the morning. So there was no pizza left. There was no food. Um. Keith Primo finally puts us all out of our misery and scores, uh, seven minutes and 59 seconds to go in the fifth overtime. Um, just for, just for, uh, Penguins goalie, Ron Tugnett made 70 saves. And of course, you know, Ron Toughluck was kind of his nickname. Uh, the Flyers goalie, uh, Brian Boucher, uh, he made uh, 58 saves himself. And I think, I think it was, a. Uh, three to two was the final. I think the finals three to two. And after that, obviously, I mean, the penguins lose the next two games in the series, just whoever won that game at that point was probably going to win the series. And, um, the penguins don't beat the flyers in the playoffs until the 2008 Eastern conference finals, which is unbelievable. They went literally from 1967 to 2008 and they never beat the flyers in the playoffs. But, um, here we'll play the, uh, Play the uh, unfortunate highlight of this uh, goal here. They're
2: able to come out relatively easy. It's Keith Primo first. Primo cuts, turns, scores! There it is! Keith Primo! The much maligned center of the Philadelphia Flyers wins this game in the fifth overtime!
0: So, like, I don't know who was all there at 2.30 in the morning in the Civic Arena to celebrate that, but uh Keith Primo was, and Keith Jones, and that I, I i don't i didn't write, is that i think that's still one of the longest game in n h l history too i there might be one that's longer, but
1: yeah I think there was some there was like a game in the thirties or something, yeah. but i mean in terms of the modern era and and there was a game a couple of years ago that went i think almost that long but you're you're it would be harder to have that kind of game today because of the roles that they've changed since the year two thousand where they've made it a little more open, a little more offensively geared. That was the dead puck era where the New Jersey Devils and, and teams like that were just grinding everybody to a halt. And uh, and I remember that – the thing I remember about that game was it, the overtime period would start, there'd be a lot of skating for maybe three or four minutes, and then the, the, the last 15 minutes of the overtime would just be, you know, a lot of just back and forth, no no real good scoring chances. Like the ice was bad. It was like, if if you were going to score, you had to do it early. And I think, w- what was that goal? The Keith Primo goal, Steve, like seven minutes into that overtime.
0: Yeah. It's an, it was an odd time to score it, but like there's interviews. Like I, I, I read, so like Yager was like, can you, he said that I figured he said though, like one of his teammates, like, can you please just score to end this game? Like everybody was tired. Nobody could yeah. move. Like you said, I mean, they played literally two games. Yeah. Four, four overtimes. That's, Two games, and you know that's six periods, seven periods of hockey yeah
1: they were they were literally halfway through a third game, yeah. right is that I am think, I doing the math I,
0: correctly? It's five overtime, so
1: so yeah, three periods, three overtimes, that's two games, then a fourth and a fifth, so it yeah, they were literally halfway through a third game
0: that's yeah. insane, no wonder they ran out of food. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on to even more depressing penguins overtime <laughs> stuff, and this one hurts I think this one i don 't know i mean i didn 't really do an aftermath on the penguins flyers one i think uh i think that i don 't know if that or the Casperitis. no see that they were still they still made the playoffs after that game, so the penguins didn 't really we 'll go over that a little later but Um, So the Penguins Islanders, and this was overtime too. This is 1993, the David Volek goal. And um, uh, the Penguins are looking for the three-peat. It would have been the first three-peat since actually the Islanders in the 80s. Um, They actually won the President's Trophy for the best regular season record. Um, I think they had a 16 or 17 game winning streak during the season. They have four players to score 100 points. Um. I don't know. They have a ton of hall of famers on the team. Um, but this, this Islanders teams, they're a plucky team and they're coached by Al Arbor who was the coach when they won all those four Stanley cups in a row. (laughs) So this guy knows how to coach and knows how to win. And, um, like I said, the Islanders, they do force a game seven and they get the game to overtime where we'll pick it up with, um, I guess David Bullock in all his glory here. With Ferraro, here they come two on one. Volek shoots, scores! David Volek, Islanders! And there'll be a new
2: Stanley Cup champion in 1993.
0: So, um, I don't know what to say about that one except for, um, well, the aftermath is the, uh, the Islanders did lose. They had to play Montreal the next series. And Montreal was on, like, this magical run with Patrick Wall. They a, Patrick Wall was out, playing it out of his mind. And they did lose to uh, Montreal, and Montreal went on to win the Stanley Cup. And I think, if I'm not, that's still the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup, correct? And, yep. So, 1993. So, they're getting into Bengals territory with <laughs> <laughs> stuff there. Uh, <clears throat> The Penguins, unfortunately, they, they lose the dynasty. They Everybody blames, like, Scotty Bowman. Because, like, yeah, Scotty Bowman was the problem there. Um, unfortunately, like, the Penguins declare bankruptcy, and they don't really win another cup for 20 years. They don't really compete. I mean, we'll see here in the next thing. But they, they really kind of, like, I don't know if they really – they they made the finals one other time before – the lockout right yeah i guess was that against florida yeah i think that's the only other time the conference finals yeah 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 that that hurt that
1: was their best team i mean the 93 yeah. team was better than the 91 and the 92 teams it was just their best team that they ever had and it sucks that the penguins like top five worst moments ever are all against the stupid new york islanders i just i i hate that franchise so much <laughs> It's like, yeah. and, and the Flyers, the Flyers ones, that, that hurt because it was the Flyers and you hate the Flyers so much, but they would have had to play the Devils in the conference finals had they won that series. And the, the Devils were way better, uh, or they would have had to, they would have had to play Dallas in the Stanley cup. Final. Like the, the Penguins were just in 2000, they were kind of on like a magical run with Ron Tug, a veteran goalie. You know, they weren't that good of a team, but 93, I, I mean, uh, yeah. And, 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 and they would have played Wayne Gretzky. It would have been Mario I mean, yeah. versus Wayne Gretzky in the finals. Kings, cause, all, yeah,
0: because the Kings, yeah, they had to play the Kings. Yeah.
1: And, and and that whole rivalry, that would have been so good for hockey. That would have been so good for you know, Mario's legacy. It just, you know, to, to have David Volek for that goal, <laughs> that that just, it, to this day, it still really,
0: really hurts. It's probably one of the bigger disappointments in Pittsburgh sports history, quite honestly, Um, Going to a more positive Penguins moment, uh, the Darius Kasparaitis goal in overtime of 2001. And uh, I think we've covered this in another podcast. Um, The Penguins play Buffalo in Buffalo. Uh, I think uh, this was a series winning goal. Was this game six? It was game game seven. seven. It was game seven. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, They have Yager and Mario. But the Sabres, once again, if you have a goalie in hockey, it's kind of like a quarterback in football. You can... You can pull rabbits out of the hat with a pretty mediocre team. Um, and Hassik, he just keeps the Sabres in the series, just making amazing save after amazing save. And of course, it goes into overtime when when uh, scores his now famous goal. And oh, some fun fun with this.
2: Taking over on the play is Robert Lang. He's got a trigger. Here's Kasparaitis, wristing one. Hey! Shoots and scores. The Pittsburgh Penguins have won the series in overtime. Darius Kasparaitis. And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building.
0: So that's a much more fun moment to relive. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, he beats – what 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 was his quote after beating – like casperitis ah oh, man, he had a fun quote he
1: he's him. he he said something like um he he, had, he i guess he had scored against hosik once before yeah. and he said i own that guy now <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean he, he was you know he wasn't being like cocky he was being yeah. like silly but See, it, yeah. Was, yeah.
0: it was it was just classic darius casper it <laughs> is so um the aftermath uh the penguins like we said we they lost to the devils in the conference finals and then the next season, they basically trade Yager for a hot dog and tickets to the Washington Monument, uh, <laughs> uh, and they really they they enter a serious down period in the franchise history, and they they go through bankruptcy again and the lockout, and they really don't recover until 2008 with that when they make the playoffs again against the Senators, so and then the Winter Classic and all that. So um, this really was their last kind of like it could have been like. You know that could have been the Penguins' last like hurrah in Pittsburgh if you know Mario hadn't saved them. So could could be saying Darius Kasparaitis' goal in overtime was the Penguins' last like kind of shining moment. But thank God we don't have to say that, huh? <laughs> yes. Um, sticking with the uh, happy theme for the Penguins, um, seems like the Penguins have had a lot more success in overtime than the Steelers or Well, Pitt had a couple good. Good runs there, um, Nick Benino goal. He eliminates the Capitals in 2016, the game six. Um, do you do, do you remember taking the SAT, Tim? Yes. Okay, here, here's an SAT question for you. And maybe we should petition them to put this on. Uh, Islanders are to Penguins as Penguins are to blank. <laughs> <laughs> that would
1: be the Washington Capitals.
0: Yes. <laughs> So, or you could you know you could go you know I would say you know Islanders are to Penguins as Steelers are to Indianapolis Colts you know it's just yep. or the Jets you know it's just just for whatever reason it doesn't matter it, it beats beats them so um so the Capitals and the Penguins meet again in the playoffs and once again the Penguins get the better of the team from Washington um, and the Capitals were the favorites to win the cup that year I remember a lot of people picked them to beat the penguins in this series. And it wasn't like, like it wasn't unreasonable. Like, well, that's not, it wasn't like, you didn't feel like it was just being anti, you know, you just being biased. You thought, well, that's probably reasonable. They're, they're a really good team. Um, But unfortunately for the capitals, the HBK line was absolutely unstoppable. And um, here we'll have some fun listening to some capitals, misery here.
2: Hagelin moving to the net. It's spiked down to the air by and laid around behind. Kessel up with it there. Bend one around.
0: My favorite part of that highlight clip is that like like Doc Emmerich's like really good with hockey, so he waits till they're done blowing the horn, right? And as soon as he tries to talk, I was like, F you, Doc Emmerich. <laughs> 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 good move by the guy in the horn. But then, no, I I love Doc Emmerich. Yeah. If it was like Keith Jones or you know, Mike Milbury, it would have been even better. But but that was just funny. And of course the poor capitals are they're the uh, Washington generals to the Pittsburgh Penguins, Harlem Trotters, and they just can't catch a break. So uh, and, the, you know, the aftermath, the Penguins uh, go on to win the cup and uh, they repeat as cup winners the next year. Also, um, the Caps do get do finally get there to win a cup. And they, they have to do it in 2018 by beating the Penguins. So maybe the Capitals have kind of had that monkey off their back, the catharsis, finally beating their, you know, nemesis, the Pittsburgh Penguins, so. Yeah,
1: and good good for them. I mean, the Ovechkin was destined to, to win one eventually. So I I don't know. I was I wasn't happy for them, but I was, I don't know. I was kind of happy for them a little bit. I didn't want them to beat us to get there, but, you know, it still felt good to that Benino scoring that overtime goal that that was the year the capitals the capitals actually had won the president's trophy that year yeah. so, so to your point everybody was you know picking them to, to win the cup and it just felt so good to beat them again
0: yeah it it, it was like odd to, it was like was that the series where they I remember they kind of dominated and we just would like they would be it seemed like they would be in our end and then we would just like counter attack and get a goal it was it was like it was an odd series, if I remember correctly.
1: They, they, yeah, they were. I mean, you could argue that they were the better team, but we just played the better series. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm happy with that assessment. I mean, we won,
0: so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to teams that, for some reason, Pittsburgh owns. Um, that would be Steelers Jets 2004, and this, this one has to be painful for Jets fans. And they've had they've they've had their painful memories here. Um, <clears throat> the Steelers are 15 and one, and they're having a magical season. They have rookie quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger playing well. Um, the jets are coming into Heinz field and they have Chad Pennington and, uh, Curtis Martin. Um, so the game goes to overtime <clears throat> and the game goes to overtime because Doug O'Brien misses two field goals in regulation. Um, the deal, the Steelers defense holds the jets in overtime and <laughs> Ben drives the Steelers down for a 30-yard field goal to win it for them. Um, We'll listen to the uh, fun and frivolity here.
2: That'll tell you whether the Jets win. He missed it. Well, let's play some overtime.
0: So he definitely misses it, and Dan Dierdorf is very disappointed. So we'll go to the, uh, so we'll play the game winner here by, uh, Mr. Jeff Reed here.
2: Number three from 33 and the 16 and one Steelers move on.
0: This is a crazy game. I still can't believe they won this game. And this is like how many years ago? <laughs> I mean, they had really did have no business winning this game. Like, Ben played a really bad game. And I think they gave up a special teams kick return for a touchdown in this one. And I, it, it, this was ugly. Doug O'Brien, this was like, cause Heinz Field's really tough to kick in. So, like, a 43 yard field goal is almost like a 50 plus yard field goal. And Jeffrey, like, you can't like if you watch the replay of that, that his field goal, the game winner, was drifting to the right, too. It just got through just in time. So, and that was in the open, open end. Jeff Reed had to kick that in the open end. So, but Jeff Reed was like really good at kicking in Hines Field in the bad old days there of Hines Field. So, but uh, I mean, a great win for the Steelers, um, poor loss for the Jets. Um, the aftermath was the Steelers' loss to the Patriots in the f c Championship game. Eh, maybe the Patriots stole some signals. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? We'll never know. But the Patriots won the Super Bowl that year. Um, As for the Jets and Herm Edwards, um, he did play to win the game, but um it didn't work out <laughs> so well for for Herm because he actually, in one of the rare instances that a coach got traded, he got traded to Kansas City in 2006. And, boy, that really is a Jets move, isn't it? They just trade their coach a couple <laughs> years. Like two years later, it's like, ah, we're going to trade you. <laughs> to Kansas City.
1: The the amazing thing about that era, Steve, was how many seasons came down to a, a field goal. So two thousand two you had the Joe Denny kick that we covered. Two thousand four you had this the, this Jets game. Two thousand five you had the Vanderjack kick in the Colts game. And then two thousand seven Jacksonville eliminated us on a last second field goal. So you literally had like four straight playoffs that you know two one against us and two one for us. <laughs> Where everything came down to a kick. It was just crazy how many how many games came down to a, a field goal attempt back back in that, that time frame.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it <clears throat> I guess like you said, it was kinda like a mixed bag with the Steelers. I mean I guess when you go to overtime, you know, anything it just proves anything can happen. The ball can bounce anyway, you know, once and the kicker could miss a couple field goal like, you know, that that was tough. That was a tough way for the Jets to go out, you know. So, uh, moving back to hockey and uh, hop, happier uh, happy memories um, Brooks Orpik eliminates the Islanders in 2013 game six I think this is the only time the Penguins have beat the Islanders in the playoffs it's it's it is the
1: only time they've beaten them in the playoffs it's like the only happy Islander memory of all ever so let's
0: let's, <laughs> let's celebrate the, it bask in the glory of Brooks Orpik here um <laughs> The, Penn, the Pens finished the season at the top of the Eastern Conference, and they're playing the Islanders. And uh, actually, Thomas Vokoun replaced Mark Andre Fleury in this series. Um, and Brooks Orpik he picked a really good time to score his first uh, playoff goal.
2: Malkin holds the puck in for Kennedy. A return to Malkin. Now Orpik with a drive, he scores. Brooks Orpik sends the Pittsburgh Penguins to a second-round meeting with the Ottawa Senators at the 7.49 mark of overtime.
0: And the best part, that was in New York. That was in the old Nassau Coliseum, I think, too. So. Right in the middle of their stupid chant too.
1: That was, be- that was the best <laughs> thing about them. <laughs> Just like they're in the middle. Let's go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, our season's over. <laughs> take, take that Islander fans and all the other times you killed us. <laughs> yeah, And your four
0: Stanley cups and coming back yeah. from three down three games, no, no wins the three games. Yeah. What was it? Three game, three game deficit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, I, I think what the Penguins lost in the conference finals, I think the Boston that year. Yes, they did. And it was like a four game sweep. So it wasn't even really that close. Um, the Penguins, unfortunately they didn't, they don't win another cup until they go to go through two more coaches and a general manager. So, (laughs) so that, that was kind of like one of the few highlights, I guess, of that 2013 kind of till 2016. So. Moving from hockey to uh, football, uh, Pitt WVU 1997, the backyard brawl. Um, So, the background um, this is Walt Harris's first year at Pitt, and he takes a dismal team. Like, I mean, they hadn't won more than what, four games or three games in, I don't know, five years, six years, maybe longer. And they get and gets them to a five win season. So it's the last game of the year, and that you know, back when sanity ruled college football, that would you would play your rival and Pitt's biggest rival at that time, because Joe Paterno didn't want to play us every year. Was, um, well, no, I guess they did play Penn State every year in the '90s too, but yeah, they um, the big rival was definitely West Virginia outside of Penn State, Notre Dame, West Virginia is the you know definitely one of the bigger rivals. Yeah, I would probably rank it what Penn State, West Virginia, Notre Dame and Pitt rival land. Yeah, that's why yeah. I would rank them. Yeah, I would. I would agree. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and so Pitt needs this to become bowl eligible. West Virginia just wants to ruin Pitt's season. They just want to beat Pitt. They don't like Pitt. They express it in their own little special cheer. So, and the game is against uh, WVU, and it's in Morgantown. So, um, the game goes to overtime. And it goes to actually to triple overtime, And because um, this is after they changed the rules to you couldn't end in a tie. So down 38-35 and with Pitt on the 32-yard line and uh, <laughs> having a 50-yard field goal with a not very good kicker. Walt, Walt Harris decides to go for it on 4th and 17. And Pete collins actually competes a pass to Jake Hofer for the first down.
2: 17 for a first down. Gonzalez complete. First down. Holford. What a gutsy call! Wow. Oh, my goodness.
0: Terry Murphy catches a TD pass. A couple plays later, we'll play. Uh, we'll play this for you.
2: It is second and ten from the 13. Gonzalez to the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown. Terry Murphy and the Panthers have won it.
0: Well, there you heard it. Uh, Terry, Terry Murphy pulls one out. Jake Hofer pulls out probably the bigger play, fourth and 17. That's unbelievable that they converted that. And uh, really, it was the first time they got the six wins in a long time. It uh, kind of respectability, not like greatness, like they had a great season. But um, so, I mean, they're back to re- being respectable. They're not a total doormat and laughing stock. Um, the aftermath, um, it, it's you know they're they're respectable. Pitt goes on to get blown out in the Liberty Bowl, forty-one to seven, by a Brett Farveless Southern Miss team. So. <laughs> um i don't know who was on that old southern miss team but it wasn't wasn't anybody uh i'd have to look up was. note um walt harris brought the team back but uh never really got them over the hump they kind of got to like you know the six seven win mark every year with him and they just never could go any farther and finally he uh kind of criticized the uh university and stuff and that was kind of the end of walt harris and um That's kind of how it went for uh, that pit team in 96. Um, So on that note, I think that's a good way to end the uh, podcast of overtimes on a successful uh, pit touchdown there, you know, kind (laughs) of make up for some of the bad. But um, just never know, Tim, you never know which way it's going to go in these overtimes, I think, is the biggest one, you know, and. You know, I don't know. Maybe it just seems like we had a lot more negative on this list than positive. I don't know. Did I miss any positive ones that, that you can think of or off the top well, of
1: your head? The, off the top of my head, um, the, the, the Chris Kuhn at school that put the Penguins in the Stanley cup final uh, in yeah. 2017. I, I, that one was a great memory for me because I, I remember just the, that was in that was in the second overtime and, and it dawned on me at some point during that overtime, like, it was game seven. And I thought I'm either going to see one of the great moments in the history of me being a fan of this team or one of the worst moments, right? (laughs) Similar to that Islanders game seven. It's like when it's game seven, it's like, this is either going to be amazing, memorable. You're going to want to relive it years later, or it's going to really hurt to every time you think about it. And those moments are, you know, those don't come about often. and, And that was a great moment. So that's the only one I can think of that I, I can, that you didn't,
0: um oh, no oversight on my part but um craig anderson was really played well that series if i remember correctly and, yeah um, the penguins were kind of fortunate to get one by them there in overtime, but i think the penguins were the better team definitely in that series it's just once again a goalie at hockey man you don't have to have the greatest team in the world if you just have a really good goalie it really evens everything out so um thanks for um listening um Check us out on the uh, web, on Twitter. Um, We always appreciate word of mouth and uh, giving us uh, likes or, you know, just uh, recommend us or friend us on, or, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter. So uh, for Steve Ward and uh, Tim Hannon, uh, thanks for listening in.